Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. This podcast series was designed to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters. We cover a variety of topics that will help you become more confident and comfortable in the field while hunting deer. On this episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, I'm talking with Zach Farrenbaugh of the Hunting Public about map scouting for whitetails. Map scouting has become an indispensable tool for serious whitetail hunters. Mapping apps allow you to dissect aerial and topo imagery to locate potential bedding areas, feeding areas, and travel routes that deer might prefer. Until you actually put boots on the ground, it's all just kind of an educated guess, but being an effective map scouter can make you far more efficient when off-season scouting or even when actively hunting. Every year, Zach and the rest of the THP crew travel the country chasing deer, turkeys, and other game in unique places. Their intense travel schedule means that they rely heavily on map scouting both in and out of season. It also means that they've gotten really good at recognizing those terrain and habitat features that deer tend to gravitate to no matter the region that they're hunting. In this episode, I chat with Zach uh, about some of the things that are consistent when it comes to map scouting no matter where it is he is hunting. The next few episodes of the How to Hunt Deer podcast are going to explore map scouting different terrain types in greater detail and how you might approach them a little bit differently depending on where it is you hunt. You might want to grab a pen and paper for this episode because Zach drops a lot of really great information for us. Now let's jump right into the conversation. All right, joining me today for the How to Hunt Deer podcast is Zach Farrenbaugh from The Hunting Public. Zach, how are you today? Doing good, man. Just cranking away at some editing. Feeling like I'm running out of time, but that's that's kind of every year, really. At the end of the day, it's like always a scramble to get ready for the next season and here we are scrambling. <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, are you going to crawl your way out from underneath all that footage anytime soon? Uh, I'm actually I actually do have something pretty fun planned. I'm going to go back to uh, visit my buddies Ben and Keith, and we're going to do some scouting and just try to get out of the house a little bit. I mean, I live in a pretty cool place right now to do outdoor activities, but it's pretty. There's a lot of snow up where I really want to be scouting for like elk and stuff like that. And uh, when I when it's summertime, I can kind of do more stuff here. But when it's wintertime, it's nice to kind of go to the east and kind of get back into the into the whitetail woods and do some scouting. And uh, so I'll probably I'm going to probably get a couple of days at least um, to go walk, look for some spots and then back to the editing for a little bit and then down to some Southern state to start turkey hunting. I don't know that we've fully decided on exactly what we're doing, but we're just going to kind of do our typical down South and work our way North until we start to go West and then the seasonal end and then summertime and we'll start scouting for elk and deer and again, and then to deer hunting. It's just kind of a, <laughs> just a yearly cycle, man. It's kind of fun how it's played, like kind of ended up, working out so you know you kind of know what to expect sure every day now so that's fun sure so do you guys think you'll <laughs> i'm sorry to laugh when i say this do you think you'll go to florida again this year uh you know i was we don't have time to do it this year okay i am sitting here at first when we were like man we're not gonna have time or like it's that's gonna be a push was i was like yeah that's not a big deal but then I'm sitting here kind of thinking about it now as I'm getting closer to when it's about to start. And I'm like, man, I kind of do want to go back down. I mean, I do want to go back down there. I think next year I'll probably try to convince somebody to do it. I mean, it's definitely not for everybody. It's a weird place down there. And it's honestly pretty, pretty freaky when you're not used to stuff like that. Oh, just because yeah. of the, uh, you know, the, the water is a big deal for me. Like I don't, I've never hunted in such wet areas like to where you, you're better off not wearing shoes like it, it's honestly so wet that if you're wearing any trying to keep yourself dry you're not going to do it right so 
the biggest thing that freaks me out is like the, the unknown of like, am I just going to fall in this huge like hole of water, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you hit that every once in a while yeah. and you look down, you're like walking through knee high water and you look over and there's just like an eight foot hole yep. of crystal clear water. And it's like, man, if it was dark and I wasn't, you know, familiar with this area, who's to say I wouldn't fall right in there. But I think really that's the only thing. And, and honestly, there's still no risk. I mean, what you fall in and worst case scenario, you lose some gear or something. It's not like I'm worried about dying in there, but it, it's just intimidating when you've never dealt with it. And I think in the grand scheme of it, like risk isn't really that much higher than other places, but, but it is like freaky yeah. and I'm glad that I'm able to do it with somebody else. Cause if I was alone out there, it'd be real freaky. For sure. I, I've hunted some spots uh, of Louisiana. They're just straight swamp and I would, I wouldn't do it alone. I mean, it yeah. just, it, yeah. And, and Hey, better to look over and see an eight foot hole than to look over and see an eight foot alligator. And right. so, uh, oh, and we saw that too. <laughs> I'm sure you guys did, man. It's, it gets sketchy down in Florida quick. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, man. Yeah, well, I, I want to do it again for sure. I don't want to count it out. And like, I don't want it to be like a deal where it's like, Oh, that's too, that's too much. It really was fun. It's just like this year, like I was telling you before we started, it's just, we've got so much we're trying to do right now that it's quite overwhelming. So hopefully we can even go turkey hunting at some point. This year. <laughs> maybe in May, maybe in May, you, yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta talk to guys into flying you over to Hawaii for their March 1st opener. At some point that I think we'll do that. I don't know exactly when, but I would say it'll be, I mean, there's only so many things you can do on March 1st. So That's it's right. like, as long as we can find, find a way to get a little bit, quicker at editing all these videos then then uh maybe we'll do it someday i'm yeah. sure we will honestly it's just a matter of time sweet well zach thanks for coming on the show today i uh you know i'm kicking off a little bit of a of a series here with the how to hunt deer podcast and what i wanted to do is take a step back and look at e-scouting from a big picture point of view and i'm gonna have several guys on to talk about different terrain types uh, different uh, geographical locations where uh, they are doing their e-scouting so that I can kind of make this relevant for different guys in different settings. But I wanted to kick it off with kind of a big picture view and say, okay, what are the things that are consistent everywhere I go, no matter the terrain type, no matter where I find myself, no matter the, the vegetation that I'm going to run into, what's going to be the same everywhere? And I thought, who better to talk to than Zach from the hunting public? Because, man, number one, you've been all across the country. And number two, pretty much every time I hear you talk, you talk about obsessively e-scouting all the time. Uh, so I thought, man, if, there, if there's somebody who knows how to look at a map, this is the guy. And so I wanted to get you on and kind of uh, point us in the right direction. So to kick things off, as you take a piece of property and you decide this is the property that I want to hunt, I'm assuming that you've gone through some kind of vetting process uh, for this specific piece of property that probably involved some sort of preliminary e-scouting before you dive in too, too deep. So what are some of the things that, that you're looking for in a property that get you excited and say, this piece is worth more of my time e-scouting? I think there's going to be a lot of like cliche things here. And like, I guess sometimes from the perspective of doing, um, you know, like back, back when I was trying to learn more about it myself, there'd be a lot of frustration and like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I understand. I'm trying to find a place that is hard to access, but what does that look like? So, I mean, I'll try to make it as non cliche as possible, you know? <laughs> so the first thing that I really like to do is find two major the two main things like, and, and basically when I find these, I feel confident like this is, I really only need two things and it's hard to access or like potentially overlooked, which we can dive into a little bit more specifics of that in a second or looking for areas with high diversity. Basically what I mean by that is multiple different habitat types. So, you know, depending on where you're at in the country, your habitat breaks are going to look a lot different. Like if you're out in the Midwest, uh, or I guess Western Midwest, like, um, like, uh, Nebraska, the Dakotas, um, 
Kansas, Iowa, even Minnesota, Wisconsin in some situations, or Illinois, basically looking for, um, in that situation, you're looking for like different habitat breaks. Like there's obviously going to be timber. There's going to be thicker timber within those timber stands. There's going to be some sort of CRP grasses out in the Midwest. You're looking for agriculture as well. That's another habitat break. The more that you can pack into an area, the better. And I'm not always even looking within public land boundaries. Sometimes I'm just trying to find a vicinity that has public land in it that I think is like a good neighborhood, if that makes sense. So I think that is one thing that I don't necessarily hear talked about a lot is like, sometimes you're looking for just a good neighborhood. You know, it's like, if you're looking on there and you can tell that there's some big private land landowners that, you know, have some sort of diversity, whether they're managing for wildlife or it's just, you know, luck of the draw or they're managing for timber in other parts of the country where you're seeing these big habitat breaks and then smack in the middle of them, there's a block of public land, you know, that might catch my eye too. Um, but, but, if you're in like the North, like, you know, Northern states like Minnesota, Wisconsin, New York, uh, anything new Northeast of New York, it's like, you're going to see a lot of wetland area, um, or down South, you see the same thing. And those are habitat breaks as well, where you see hardwoods meet up with like some sort of wetland habitat. And that also is potentially something that is hard to access. So, you know, anytime, there's a habitat break that's interesting to me. Like if I'm looking at very uniform stuff and all of a sudden there's this really obvious habitat break that jumps out like, like a clear cut, like a big marsh, like a big uh, swamp area that immediately jumps out because that's just like two very distinct habitat types. Um, and the more of those, the better, you know, if there's like a, I'll use an example of like hill country. If you're in hill country, solid stand of timber, and you can tell that there's some sort of timber cut up on a ridge. But then down in the bottom, you can tell it kind of flattens out and there's a bigger creek bottom that has some different stuff growing in it. Now you've got three habitat types. You've got your just regular stand of forest, you've got your cut stand of forest, and you've got a creek bottom with some added diversity due to the fact that it's wetter down there and you know, maybe it's just, uh, because it's wetter down there, you get a different type of soil or down lower in elevation, whatever. So it doesn't always look exactly the same from spot to spot, but you're essentially looking for that habitat break, no matter where you're at. And it's going to just look a lot different depending on what particular piece of land you're looking at. And, and then on top of that, that the access thing or the, um, something that's hard to get to. And I, I mean, I'll use a quick outline of what I look for. Generally, I'll just zoom out and I'll take a look at a big scale of public land. And I'm just looking at how the road systems work through that. And honestly, I don't really pay as much attention to a bigger road right out of the gate, like on OnX, for example. If I'm looking at OnX, I can tell a road is, you know, paved versus like a, a county you know, some less maintained county road, whether that's a dirt road or just a, you know, much smaller, less traveled um, paved road that's some county road that, you know, maybe there's a few houses on versus a road that people are taking to commute to work. If the people are taking a road to commute to work, they probably see a lot of stuff that's going in and out of there, and they're probably more attracted to that particular piece of land. So, like, local standpoint or um, or even traveling standpoint, if people are coming in non-resident to hunt, they're going down those more popular roads more frequently. Like it's, it's just kind of like one of those things, like consistently, if there's a bigger road, there's just more people on it, bumping the odds of people being interested in hunting it. So yep. Yep. to me, that's something that jumps out. So I'll look wide view look for popular roads and then I'll look for where public boundaries touch roads. So the less boundaries that touch roads, the better. For example, if one, if a piece is, has got roads all around it where you can access from every direction, not to say that I haven't hunted those areas and had good success doing it, 
I just typically kind of write that off first. It's like, ah, eh, I'll look at that later. Um, if I need to, but as of right now, I'm looking for something that like is a little bit harder to access. It doesn't have as obvious of a spot. You know, if you're looking at a big piece of public land, for example, and just generally speaking, it's a big square and right through the center of it, there's just a big, you know, two lane highway that, you know, <laughs> people are driving all the time. Yep. It's like generally yep. right around that there's a buffer of, you know, probably 500 yards half mile, three quarters of a mile, whatever, that people are more likely going to be there. Yep. Again, not to say that, not to say that that's a hundred percent true. It's just like kind of what I prefer to look for. Um, when I'm first looking at a piece and another thing that's really hard, uh, a really good example is like, if you're dealing with any elevation change, if you can go straight up right off the road, people hate doing that. <laughs> like it's so, it's yeah, so, consistent. I mean, and I love doing it because I know everybody hates it. You yeah. know, that's one of my favorite things to do to get away from people real fast, whether I'm in Colorado or Maine, it's like, if I can go straight up, like, all right, I can pretty much count everybody out within the first mile. Cause like, it's just, if there's, especially if there's easier ways to get in, like a ridge, ridge top pull off where you can pull off and then there's a nice little path out the ridge. Even if that path goes out two miles, people are way more likely to be on that. So yep. like yep. one other side note, I guess, to take it more specific. Um, Cause again, I, I, I do hate that cliche, like try to find a place that is easy to access or not easy to access. Um, if I see a place where there is like ridge top roads, like I'm to the point now where I'm looking at places where if you can pull off on the top and even if it's a two and a half mile walk on top, it's like, that's probably more likely to have pressure on it than a place that doesn't have a trail system through it where you can walk up and up and down and kind of get into the terrain right away versus just walking out on the top because that's what people are drawn to. They're drawn to path of least resistance type stuff. So anytime there's a trail or, you know, just easy terrain to walk on, I do think that that plays into people accessing it or not. And I mean, this day and age, when you're looking at water access, sometimes I keep that in mind too of like, well, Yes, water access would be creative, but at this at this point, how creative is water access? You know, it's like yeah, if it seems like everybody's did, doing it, right? So, so okay, if a boat can get in there, I'm going to view that a little bit differently than if a kayak can kind of sneak its way up there versus, um, you know, a big lake edge versus you know a small little creek. It, it varies so much, but just trying to think outside the box of like, have people actually thought of this before or am I potentially thinking of something that's like a little sneaky, I guess. Like yep. I'm going to pull something off. that's a little bit different than what everybody else is thinking, not just the obvious stuff. So I know that probably got a little long winded, but that, that those two things, you know, again, they look so different from place to place, but those are the two things that I'm really just looking for. And then past that, yeah, you can get like real specific based off of every spot. But I really, really like getting that base before I dive too much into anything because you can kind of drive yourself crazy when you got too many options. So it's nice to just like eliminate big areas really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so that's really helpful for me. I, uh, I live in Wisconsin right now and the part of Southern Wisconsin where I'm at, there's public land all over the place. Like there are just <laughs> little pieces of public everywhere. And if I tried to, to e-scout every single one of them, I'd lose my mind. Um, yeah. My wife would probably be very upset with me. You know, I mean, it's just there's yeah. not enough time in the day to cover all of this public land. So it's good to have some some broad parameters. So hard to access or maybe potentially overlooked, uh, high, high diversity. That's something that I really focused in on over the last two years. It's just really just starting with the places with the absolute highest diversity. And, and guess what's there? Deer and turkeys every single yeah. time. You know, it's just they're just there, you know, yep. and, and, uh, I don't know, I, I feel foolish for, for not emphasizing that more over my hunting career. 
Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a night and day kind of thing. So one thing you mentioned is kind of zooming out and taking a big picture view, paying attention to the neighborhood around it. Um, but also kind of looking at how it relates to the roads and how it relates to these other properties. How big of a view are you taking? Because I, I noticed in myself a, a year or so ago, I was getting this tunnel vision with the specific property and acting like the deer gave a rip about the property yeah. boundaries and they don't. Right. So how, how, how big of a view are you taking? I mean, it depends, uh, like depends on the time of the year. It depends on if I'm in season or out of season. So for example, right now I was just telling you, um, about how I'm planning on going to hang out with my buddies, Ben and Keith, and we're going to go do some scouting. So like last night I was looking at the map, just sitting on the couch. Like my girlfriend was up, we were watching something on TV and she was up like doing something. And I take those little minutes to just jump on my map, you know, like five minutes and I'll just, I'm trying in this situation, find new places to hunt places that we've never been to before, yep. just new, new areas. So like I'm looking at a map, really big scale there. Like I'm zoomed all the way out. I may have, you know, let's say there's 20,000 acres of public land. I've got the whole thing out. I'm looking at it from the widest view to where everything's on the map. And I'm looking at, you know, okay, over in the Eastern part, there's maybe more, more timber, less broken habitat. Maybe in the southern part, I notice there's more clear cuts down there. Maybe in the northern part, that's all just kind of like, you know, pretty populated. There's kind of a smaller town up there, more big roads up there. So I start immediately then focusing like, okay, we'll look on this east side and the south side. And then as I take that closer and closer, um, I kind of just eventually get to a point where I start looking at like what I think of fairly realistic white tail day to day. Um, like what, what, when you look at the big picture, I guess, of like where he's a home range, for example, let's say two to three miles, you start kind of looking at where within that he would spend his time. Where is it that fallen into public land? Where is that fallen just outside of public land? Is there any areas where maybe there's going to be a bunch of does potentially, or just a high deer density in general because of some sort of edge? Um, so like, I like to just continue to like scale it down, scale it down, scale it down. And next thing you know, you're looking at those very fine details within that and uh, trying to pick out specific bedding locations. Um, and you know, all this, you know, this how to hunt, how to hunt podcasts. Like don't expect even within two to three or five years, this to just like, you know, this is something, I mean, doing this for like a really, really long time. I mean, I've been looking at like maps on an intense level for, I mean, since I was like in high school, you know, mm, yeah. which is, yep. you know, a long time ago. Now it's like a whole decade of just like staring at maps obsessively. And I, I think that, you know, the more you do it, the more, and, and this is really important too. When you finally start, you finally will get to this point where like, you are just kind of beating your head against a wall. Like, okay, this spot looks really good, man. Well, then you got to go get your boots on the ground, actually see what it's like, because if you don't, you'll just go insane. And I mean, I do that all the time because I don't have a ton of time to scout actually. Sure. So I get to a point where I'm just like, I just got to go do it. I got to just go see it. I got to go either hunt it or scout it because it's like, I'm going crazy. Just thinking, you know, of the specifics and reality, you don't totally I mean, I guess if you look at every single like platform that you possibly could, if you're looking at Google Earth, you're looking at Onyx, you're looking at whatever other hunting apps are out there, whatever other, you know, satellite and topography maps you can find, you know, you can really, really figure a place out pretty dang good. But at the end of the day, you still have to put boots on the ground to see what subtle changes are out there yep. that really make a difference and dictate how the deer move or bed through an area. And I think, I think there is that fine line where at the end of the day, you can look at it big scale. You can start to get all the way down to where you're looking for those specific spots where you think deer bedded. But then once you get to that point, like just get out there and see it. Cause yep. if not, like I said, I, I really, I really drive myself crazy sometimes just wondering like, is that place good? That's why I'm excited. Like coming up this weekend to be able to go put my boots on the ground and just kind of, 
either cross off or like pin these spots that I think might be good yep. because as right now I'm talking years of looking at them on a map. I'm like, all right, I'm going insane. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta break from the places I've been hunting and check something new out. That's so. right. That's good. So, all right. So you've, pick, you've, you've picked your, your spot, right. Based on the diversity that you want to see based on the, the access that you want to see. Um, now that we've narrowed it down to a specific place, like where you, you're going to be going this weekend, you're about to go put boots on the ground as you were making that transition to, all right, this is the spot. Now this is the sort of the area of the, of the piece that I want to check out. What are some of those specific things that are no matter the habitat type, no matter the terrain that you're saying, this is probably, you know, going to be a place where deer are bedded. This is probably going to be a place where deer are feeding. Like what are some of the common maybe features that they share? And, and, and this is another one of those conversations that could kind of slip off into the, into some of the cliche answers. Right. But, yeah. but just, just maybe just some basic general guidelines as to, as to what am I looking for? Well, first let me, let me, let me say one thing that I think is super important and, and we might accidentally pass up just, just because we're getting excited about specifics of deer. I think one thing that is really, 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 really helpful. And I do so much. And it like sometimes feels like it's not productive, but it always is. Go drive a zone or an area first. So like, let's say you think you have this specific spot before you just pull right up to the first pull off, park it, jump out and haul it up into the hills or into the marsh or whatever, like go get a feel for what's all around the area. You know, you may drive around the area and realize that like, oh, when I was looking at this satellite image, you know, this was all a big grass field and now it's a big cornfield, which will make a difference as to, you know, depending on what you want out of that piece, it may be good or bad. You know, there may be a neighboring clear cut. There may be um, there may be some fence rows on the private land that you thought, oh man, maybe deer are traveling, you know, from the private land over here along this fence row that's real thick into the public land, whatever. And maybe they clear that, you know, driving around and getting an idea first is super important. And you can see a lot of stuff from the road that you might not be able to understand totally from the map. Everything's different. When you get there, everything's bigger generally and like different a little bit than what you expected. Yep. Um, yep. When yep. you were looking at the map. That's a so really, that's a really, really good point. And I, I'm like you, I don't have a ton of time to scout. And that driving around piece is one of my favorite things to do because I can load my kids up and throw some McDonald's in the back seat with them and like hit three, four, five different public spots in an afternoon or evening of, of driving around. Whereas I, you know, I could get all three of them out, but they're seven, five and three years old. So we're going to cover about a quarter of a mile and, you know, and that's going to be on a, on a nice groomed trail. And then we're heading back to the car and I've learned, I've learned nothing, but I can take them driving and we can look at deer. We can look at turkeys. We can, you know, get a feel for the area. And that way, when I go back on my own, man, I'm ready to, I'm ready to really jump in, ready to really, really dive in. It builds your confidence too, of like, you know, even just seeing pull-offs, like, oh man, this like this whole particular road access or whatever, there's not even like an obvious pull-off. Like sometimes to me, when I see that, um, that gets me fired up seeing like, on the other hand, a big turnaround with a bunch of trash in the lot and big, I mean, three different trails going out a lot. It's like, ah, maybe this isn't what we thought it was. And I think that that alone is so valuable that it's always worth doing that when you're in a new area. Now, everybody's situation is a little bit different. You know, I'm always talking about going into places for the most part for like a week of the season. I'm in and out. Like that's, that's my chance to hunt that specific spot. I don't really have a home base, especially for whitetail, which I kind of like that. Um, but it's not like there's a whole bunch of time to be like learning an area or like, you know, Oh, it took the whole first two months of the season to kind of find this zone. Like I don't have that type of time. I need sure. to go in and be efficient. Sure. But it's like, I don't want to dive into a spot too early when I like later, I realized that, you know, I'm coming in from this way where there's no pull off, but on the backside of the Ridge where I'm headed towards, there's a pull off with the trail that goes right up there, you know, and, and sometimes you don't know that until you yep. make that drive around. So, so I think that's, 
that's super important. And sometimes, man, sometimes you're like, well, there's a deer trail coming right across the road right here. That's like a highway. Yeah. And, and sometimes you'd be like, man, maybe I was overthinking this whole time. And I think that honestly, that's a pretty big deal or pretty common theme of like, you're overthinking it when you're looking at the map because you start getting so crazy. You're looking at it so long. You're like, Oh, like this, this has gotta be the X. But then you realize that oh, maybe there's actually more habitat here than I thought. I just couldn't see it on the map because, you know, it's all just solid timber for the most part. Nothing really looks too different. And then you realize there's some more understory in a place that you can see from the road or whatever. And all that stuff really, really, really helps me specific, like, on those specific uh, like situations where I'm going into a new area. But then let's say then I'm looking for um, like bedding areas uh, specifically on a map. I mean, there's, there's common theme in the Midwest, I think, and in the, and in the East and the big Hills um, and even down South. It depends obviously on what, what you're looking for, but edge and terrain are going to dictate edge terrain and wind direction, I guess, then are going to dictate where deer are bedded. Um, there's in hill country, for example, any time where there's like something that's flat, I guess. And I, and, and this is weird too. And this is where, this is where hunting a lot of different places can kind of get in the way. Cause like I start thinking like, I'm going to say something, but then I'm going to say with the exception of this type of hill country, because <laughs> you know, like your yeah. Wisconsin hill country is so much different than a lot of the like Appalachian hill country. Sure. Like, oh yeah. Very, very different, uh, lay of the land. Yep. Um, very different ridge systems. The way it's all set up is different. Like in, in, um, like the driftless area of the Midwest, for example, it's all like a flat top haircut. Like everything's just flat. Yeah. But then it drops, you know, then, then terrain drops from there. It is hilly, but it's not like a high hill where like you're, you're down here and there's something that goes way up there. And that's like this standalone thing. Like in the driftless area, every human activity happens on top for the most part, like houses are up there. Your big ag fields are up there. Big farms are up there. And then like deer kind of come up to feed. That's a little bit different than what you would maybe see in Kentucky where there's just a lot more ridges, a lot more stuff going on, a whole bunch of, you know, different ridge systems, but yeah. And actually opposite direction of movement down there. I mean, a lot yeah. of, a lot of bedding high and feeding low as yeah. opposed to bedding low, feeding high kind of, kind of situation. Yeah. And it, and it, you know, I, that's hard. So it makes it hard to say that there's, there's rules, but, well, I will say this, the one number one thing that will help with map scouting where deer are spending their time is just going out and looking at all different terrain features, because my experience is going to probably look different than your experience as far as what type of land you're hunting. I mean, you can hunt the same piece of public land, but different blocks of that public land, you know, different access points or whatever and being too i mean you're gonna be in two totally different terrain type like when you start really looking at details of terrain everything's so different there's very very similar spots from area to area but everything's a little bit different and i guess when i'm looking at like anything in the east for example i'll just use that as a a, a starting point there's all these different ridge systems and I'm usually looking at a main ridge and then what I call secondary ridges or finger ridges off of that, that main ridge. And generally there's like three different levels of bedding. There's either deer that bed up on the tip top and those are kind of like the highest points on the whole ridge system. Like, high points or knobs is what we call them a lot of times. And those deer seem to want to bed up at the very top of the world. And a lot of times as the season gets later and later, um, and the visibility in the timber gets more open, mm. 
they can be up high like that and they can just see so far. And if the wind's blowing from the north, they'll bet on the south side. The wind's blowing from the south, they'll bet on the north side. Yep. You know, if it's if it's warmer and it's really you know, if it's a hotter day and it's you know, in the later part of the season, you know, it's like sixties as a high. Yeah, they may bet on that north side in the shade, especially if they've got the south wind. Um, so those things kind of dictate where exactly within that terrain feature that bed may be or where they may be spending their time that day. And then the other level down from that is, is kind of like out on a finger ridge. So you've got your high point, your main ridge, and then a secondary finger coming off of that and where that kind of starts to flatten out. There's usually like a bench or two in those terrain features or sometimes more or less, but just depending on the scale of the hill, but a lot of times if it's flat out on that finger right before it drops off, a lot of times that's where the deer are going to be bedded. So like if I'm looking at a finger Ridge and there's a really nice flat spot right on the end of that thing, it's like, okay, there's probably a decent chance there's some deer bedding there. Mm, so when okay. I go to scout it, I go scout and I look for the beds I look for the buck sign to tell me if there is bucks spending time here, whether they're cruising through or they're just looking for, or, or they're actually bedding there themselves. Um, and then the other thing, I guess, in the if you look kind of back west, more in the Midwest, it's the same thing. If you're in hill country and you see a, a finger ridge come out and there's a flat point out on the end of it, I really like, I mean, I'm always drawn to those. And like, if you're in the driftless area, for example, of like, you know, you could be in Iowa or Illinois or Minnesota, Wisconsin, either one. If there's a big long finger that goes way out and is like kind of isolated, the further away from, from people in those situations, the better. So if like you got a big flat top of the big ag field and a farm up on top, and then from there, there's all these fingers going out. There's one that goes way out, like three quarters of a mile from the edge of the field where the human activity is likely happening. Then you can assume the bigger buck, he's going to want to go way out there. Yeah. As so far as he can get further away from the access as possible. And again, if it's flat, if it's got a little bit of flat area and that, and that can vary too. I mean, it can be a steep hillside with, you know, a downed tree that created a little flat spot there. And maybe that's where those deer bedded. But again, going out there and getting the experience of just seeing where these beds are, pin them, go home, look at your map and say, okay, I saw a bed here. Then I can assume there's a bed here. Then I can assume there's a bed here. And then the next time you're like, okay, I saw him bedding in this different terrain feature, this different habitat break. So I can expect him to be potentially here, here, and here. So you start building this like list of places that they may be at. And then all of a sudden you start being able to guess it to the point where it stays pretty con consistent, especially in an area that you're, you're spending a lot of time doing it. Like for example, Aaron and I, in the summer of 2016, we spent a whole bunch of time just scouting for beds like all summer long in 2016 to the point of like at this point in that area of Iowa that we were doing that because we saw so many beds, I can pretty much guess, you know, I'd say it with 90% success exactly where a bed's going to be on the map just because we did it so many times. It's like reps, right? Yep. Like just keep doing it. You keep getting better at guessing the next spot. So not to say that that's where a big buck's going to be living that's, or, or a buck or a deer or, you know, on deer on a given day, there's still very specific things. But I mean, just a deer has bedded there before you start to see those consistencies. And then as far as like edge goes, cause you start breaking into a whole nother, I'm, I'm focused on Hills because that's what I've been hunting a lot in the last few years. But like, if you're looking at just a flat CRP area, for example, if there's any type of break, like there's some really brushy stuff and some otherwise pretty grassy stuff, a lot of times there's going to be beds right on the edge. So you're looking at a marsh situation and you're dealing with like this big sea of cattails and then there's like a patch of willows that maybe have a little bit of rise in them, but that's, you know, a mile out in the marsh. That's a point that I'm going to start to look at because it's like, that's at least some sort of habitat break. Now, yep. not to say yep. there's not something else in there. You got to put the boots on the ground to find that. But those are those specifics that when I get to the piece, I'm walking straight to those areas to start. And then from there, I'll branch out if I don't see what I want. And then 
you know, it, again, it varies, but if you find the, if you find the habitat breaks and you walk the edges and then you go to those kind of, um, classic terrain features where you've seen beds before and just kind of make a list of those things, man. Like I said, at, at the end of the day, it'll get easier and easier because you're like, I've seen a bed in this type of spot before, especially when <laughs> there's this terrain feature and an edge going through it. That's when it starts getting really exciting. Yep. So when you see kind of a combination of both of those things. Yeah. You, you touched on something there just a second ago that I think uh, we probably should, should sort of hone in on for just a second. Yeah. I think the temptation for a lot of folks is to view their scouting as sort of a step-by-step linear process. I do map scouting before I do boots on the ground. And once I've done boots on the ground, I'm done with the map. Like yeah. I, like maybe I'll mark the stuff that I find, but I don't go back and really analyze the map again. Like I just <laughs> use it to mark where I can kind of say, okay, here's where are these things and how, how they related. But I don't often go back and say, okay, I found beds here, here, and here. What's the common trait or, or yeah. what, what, why are they bedding there in that spot? I, I think I do a pretty good job in the moment of like getting down in the bed and saying, okay, why are they here specifically? And duh, it's kind of the same reason every time, but I don't do a great job of going back to the map and saying, okay, where are the other places like this? Like, where mm-hmm. can I replicate this and potentially uh, go look for this again somewhere else? So that plays a pretty big role in what you're doing, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, and I do this in season all the time. I mean, I would say the majority of my scouting happens in season. Like I do a lot of looking at the map now, but I'm not there. Like I'm sitting in Colorado in an office editing Turkey videos. I'm not here. scouting. <laughs> like I'd love, I'd love to be, but like, you know, it's like that, that this is, this is catching up on work time. Like I can't, I don't have a whole bunch of time to just like, do that day in and day out. Although yeah. I'd love to, and I know it would make me better for it in ways. I just, I just don't have the time for it. So I'll use a really, here's a story that I'm really happy about. I'm really proud of this particular hunt that kind of is, is like in season scouting, taking what I had been seeing throughout the season in a particular area. And then just like going to a completely new area blind and shot that guy up there. <laughs> the, the, so, ja- the jackalope on the wall? No, yeah, okay. the jackalope. <laughs> so, man, uh, I, was in, I was in hill country stuff, and I'd been hunting archery in this spot quite a bit, and had been close a couple times, and that was during the rut, and I was back for gun season. And I kind of made this odd loop into the spot that – kind of the zone that I was wanting to hunt. There was this specific ridge that I was working my way back to that I'd been bow hunting on some. And on the way back there, I kind of took this roundabout route and kind of was starting to go up and down these fingers. So there's a creek bottom. Let's just say the creek bottom's running north and south, and there's these fingers falling in from the east and the west. Very, very uniform, like, finger ridges dropping down to this creek bottom. And every time I'd go up and over the nose of one of them, I'd see a bed. And I'm looking at the map and I'm like, so, so then I see a bed and I kind of get flustered. And finally I'm like, all right, I got to just get to my spot. So I go get to my spot. And by that point in the season situation had changed. I think during the rut, the bucks were in there, they were cruising through there, but Mm. now now I'm sitting there and I'm like, ah, I just don't feel good about it. I didn't end up seeing any deer that night, but the whole time I was sitting there, I kept looking at the map and I thought, well, how am I supposed to know where a big buck is going to be when all of these ridges are all the same, but they're real spread out. So basically like if I look, if you look at my hand like that, that's basically how these, my fingers, that's how all these ridges lined up. But from one nose being my fingernail, let's say, to the next, we're talking like 350 yards. Wow. So, so like big, big terrain, big terrain, like down and back up to the other one. And, you know, sometimes maybe a little more, a little less, but like a good ways to where I don't feel like I can set up on, you know, this middle finger and catch a deer that's over on the ring finger. Sure. That makes it's like, yep. it's just, it's just too far. He's probably not moving that far in daylight because he's probably bedded there and he's just going to stand up and feed on whatever. Now, again, all uniform 
fit timber. There wasn't any like major, um, there wasn't any major edge in these particular areas. So I'm like looking at this, I'm like, man, there's 10, because again, they're on both sides of the creek, this is happening. And I'm like, there's 10 places a buck could be. Like, how am I supposed to guess where he is? So I sat there and I looked at the map, that whole, like, I probably wasn't paying enough attention to where I was actually hunting, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it mattered. Cause I, like I said, I think I was, it was dead zone at that point in the season, but I just kept looking at the map and like, like literally an hour away, like a totally different spot. I'm looking at the map and I'm going, okay, like I got to find as many of these fingers as I can but closer together. Like somehow they got to be closer together. I don't know exactly what that means, but like, I'm just like frantically looking at the map for places where there's a whole bunch of fingers that are more evenly connected to where I can kind of set up and catch all versus be on one and hope that he's on that one. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So what I ended up finding is, is like a high knob, with those fingers coming off of that. So it was all kind of connected. It was more of a cone shape versus like fingers going in, if that makes sense. But yep. off that high cone, there was those same fingers. It was all connected though. So like you could ultimately find one connecting point where all that came together. So by looking at this one piece and seeing what I was seeing there, I took that miles and miles away to another piece and just tried to find something very similar that I felt more confident in hunting, how to like break it down and find the exact spot in, went in there the next day and actually just walked right in the next day with my buddy Ben and just spooked that buck right wow. off of exactly where I thought he would be. But then same deal. We looked at the map and we found the very next spot that looked exactly like where we were from and went over there and set up and killed, killed that same buck, just basically bumped and dumped them from one terrain feature to the next that looked exactly the same. Wow. Yeah. So he's, that, he was bedded in a place that looked like this. Where's the next one go there, kill him. Yep. And that was wow. about 350, 400 yards away. Wow. So like when we bumped him in that direction, it was like, well, he's probably just going to go over here, which is the same thing that we saw him on here where we bumped him from. But all that comes from, that other spot completely kind of like what, like what you brought up of when you look at the map, it's not just over now that you've been there, like relate what you're seeing on the map to other places. And that's really going to help you broaden your range. And I think depending, I mean, I think no matter what, if you're, if you're new to hunting, I mean, even, even as somebody that's not new to hunting, it's like the, your odds go up the more places you have, the more places that you have confidence in, you put your boots on the ground and you kind of know, but the more stuff that you are willing to hunt and not just get hung up on that one piece, the better, because you just get way more experience going to way more places. If you just keep getting the same experience over and over again, you're not really building this, like you're not building as, as much experience as you could be as if you're hunting other areas. So yeah. I really do think just relating it back to the map is what you're seeing on the ground to the map is super important because I mean, it's helped me so many times, like in that exact story that I just told is the best example, I guess, for that, where just looked at the map and tried to find something that was very similar to what I'd been seeing, but it felt like it would be easier to hunt. And then it just, it just was, you know, sure. everything about it was easier to hunt. Um, but had I not been looking at the map and relating what I was seeing to these other places, it, it, it would have been a lot harder to find out, I guess. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So once you've looked at the map, once you've put boots on the ground, go back, relate it back to the things that you've seen. And that kind of feeds into the next question that I wanted to ask you. Um, one of the big learning curves for me moving from the South to the North here in Wisconsin was learning to relate what I'm looking at on, on X to what I'm seeing in real life. And yep. man, I was wrong so much, like, like not even close to what I thought I was going to be, to be seeing like, like so much so that I'd get there and I'd be disoriented and be like, am I, in, I, I might be at the wrong place. Like this may, I may have taken the wrong pull off and, you know, jumped <laughs> out of the car kind of thing. So is there anything that, that you can do to, or tell people to help sort of shorten that learning curve or is it just going to be experience and looking at the map boots on the ground, looking at the map boots on the ground? 
I don't, I think, I think a really great way to make this bit easier is, is don't do it just with hunting spots. Like oh, that's if, you're, good. If, you're, if you're going to work, for example, you know, maybe look over and say, Hmm, that's a really like nice looking spot. For example, like if I was in Wisconsin, um, and I was driving down the road and I looked over and I saw a big patch of like brushy, like grassy, brushy cattail mix. That's just a big, big, vast area. I'd look at my map then and say, okay, that's what that looks like. That's what I'm seeing in real life. Now, when I'm looking at the map, I can look for something that looks similar to that on the map. I pin a lot of stuff that makes like, is not even close to public land just because I want to take it back to looking at the map at home. I'm like, Hey, that spot looks really sweet. I know I can't hunt there. It's some private land or whatever, well away from public, but it looks sweet. That age, you know, of timber or that age of clear cut or that type of brushy habitat looks really sweet. How can I find more of that on, or maybe I just see a big buck coming out of a specific patch of vegetation when I'm driving down the road. It's like, pin it. You never know. Yep. I mean, dude, I do that all the time. I yep. pin stuff all the time that really I don't think matters at the time. And I used I used to not pin it, but then I'd be mad that I did it. Like, what was that 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 deer was in? Like, I can't remember. Where was that on the map? I can't remember. It's like, if I had just pinned it, then I'd be able to like go back at home look at it, compare that to pieces that I can hunt. Um, I would say that's a really, really, really good way of getting better at it. And like, you kind of almost have to like switch your mentality. And I mean, it, it definitely kind of makes it a person, a weirdo. You have to be thinking about <laughs> where deer are all the time, right? Like you have to be thinking about deer so far ahead that like, it just seems ridiculous. But if you're always thinking about it, it's just going to make it better. And, and every time you see a deer, every time you see a track, just think why. And the more you do that, the more you're going to be able to look at the map and say, okay, I feel confident that this is going to be a pretty good spot because I saw, you know, a whole bunch of tracks in the snow coming out of something similar when I was driving down the road to go to the grocery store the other day or to go visit, you know, my family down the road or see my uncle or something, whatever. It's yeah, like, yeah doing that it really does really really does help you just have more confidence and it kind of comes back to that like same thing of like just looking in the neighborhood sometimes like just just looking at everything through the lens of like why are deer using this it's just going to help put all the pieces of the puzzle together together in the long run. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the quote of the day today, uh, is that you just kind of have to be a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you just gotta be a weirdo, but that, that is really good though. I think, I think saying I want to, I want to get better at relating aerial imagery to real life everywhere. If I'm on a hike, start looking like, like yeah. just, just pay attention no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, just be relating it to that so that I can be better and sort of honing those skills outside of just deer hunting or, or scouting. Yeah. And I, so I'll be, I'll be hiking like with my girlfriend and her friends or something like, let's just, let's just say like, you know, they're out there for a different reason. They have different goals. They want to get a workout. They want to go out and see the, just the big scale views. But like when I'm out hiking, I'm constantly trying to take it slow like, no, I mean, obviously knowing that I can keep up or whatever, but it's like, I take it slow and I really just pick apart every snapshot that I'm taking. It's like, oh, okay, there's a rub there. I might look at the map real quick and think, I mean, again, this is maybe stuff I'm not even ever going to hunt, but it's like, okay, there's a rub there. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. There's a really nice bench right below there where something was probably bedded. And this is probably, you know, an elk or uh, deer, whatever, kind of cruising through this spot, or, you know, maybe just taking a little extra time to glass, you know, when you hit an opening to glass, even hiking, man, I'm, I mean, I'm the guy that, you know, I'm on the popular hiking trail and I got my binoculars with me, you know, cause I'm always just looking for stuff. I mean, even yesterday we just went on a hike, me and my girlfriend and my uncle, and we were in an area that it's like, county land it's just a county park 
you know, no hunting, no off trail, but we saw, we saw mule deer. And while I will never hunt those, I can't legally hunt those mule deer. I was thinking the entire time where on this specific day, it was windy. It was like a Northwest wind and it was real overcast and cold. So like to be in the wind, you're going to be pretty cold. And I remember walking past a spot and thinking to myself, that thick spot right there looks like a heck of a spot for a deer to be bedded today because that would be down out of the wind. Mm. It's really thick down in there. There's enough brush that's kind of like just blocking the wind, kind of keeping them hidden. It's late, you know, it's late in the year. So there's not a lot of growth. You're talking like bare minimum bedding cover. He's like, that spot makes a lot of sense. Sure enough, on the way back, by the time we were coming back, it was getting cold enough that pretty much every, there was only one other car in the lot and the person was sitting in the car. So like nobody was <laughs> even else was out on the trail. So when we were coming back through, sure enough, there's a bachelor group of muleys that was coming up out of that spot wow. feeding. Now they were totally tame. I mean, like they, they are, I, sh- I shouldn't say they're totally tame. You can't hunt them. So they're totally confident with people being around them. Yep. But like they waited until everybody was kind of gone and they thought they were safe. And then they popped out. And like when we walked past them, you know, they just checked us and looked at us and made sure we weren't coming off the trail, which we weren't. We just glassed them. But it's like even stuff like that, you can take that to a real life hunting situation. Never hunting that. I I cannot legally hunt that. Never will be able to for as long as I live. But because I made mental note of all those things and all the conditions and factors, when I get myself in a hunting situation, I get those same factors i'm going to be convinced that that spot is where the deer is going to be because i've seen it before but if i'm but if i'm not being a weirdo (laughs) and i'm just thinking (laughs) and i'm just out there hiking and like oh there's mule deer and just like let it go right over my head as to why then that's an experience that i've lost that's my own letting my you know letting it slip past that's just a whole entire experience that i lost because i wasn't paying enough attention and i mean again it takes a quite the commitment to be that weirdo because as soon as you think you're doing it a lot, like the next, you know, you just got to be honest with yourself all the time. I mean, I actually drove down the road the other day then too with my buddy Grant and we were going to go walk somewhere. And all of a sudden I realized that I'd been driving for like an hour and I hadn't been paying any attention. So again, another <laughs> example of a situation where I lost out on an opportunity to gain experience. Had I just been paying more attention, sure. I probably would have been able to take away, you know, some different, maybe saw a deer, maybe saw an elk, maybe whatever. And just been able to relate that to the next time I was out, I guess. And, you know, I wasn't being a weirdo in that situation. And I just do really think it's important to always be thinking about it. If it's something you really care about too, yep. because like there's so many different levels of it. I mean, like I'm a weirdo because I'm so obsessed with hunting that it's like really the only thing that I think about all the time and has been that way since I was a little kid. But, you know, if you really, really want to continue to improve, I think those things are important. Yep, absolutely. The, the last thing I wanted to pick your brain on when it comes to map scouting specifically is uh, keeping things organized. And I can't remember if it was you or, or maybe it was Jake. One of you guys on a podcast said something that just really resonated with me. It was like, sometimes I'll mark stuff and I go pull that pin up. I think it was on you guys' podcast, actually. Yeah. It's like, sometimes I mark stuff and I pull it up and I'm like, I don't know why I did that. Like, it's, yeah. just, a, it's just a random pin there. I don't remember what I saw. I don't remember what I marked. I don't remember what, you know, why I did any of it. Are you doing anything to try to stay organized? Cause man, I've got a bunch of random pins. And then like, sometimes when I zoom out on my Onyx, it's like just one big red blob. And it's like, none of that makes any sense. Uh, so are you guys trying to put more effort into sort of keeping your pins organized or are you just man throwing them on and we'll, we'll revisit later? Um, I do. Yeah. Yes. And no. I mean, a lot of times I'll try to at least, make it something other than the X, right? Like yep. if I think it's going to be a good place for like buck, a, a buck to bed or be spending his time. A lot of times I'll just throw a buck pin. If I'm walking through the woods during Turkey season, 
and I see a, a big scrape, big community scrape, I'll throw a big scrape on there or, or you know, I'll throw a, a scrape pin on there. Or if I'm in, um, the internet in the woods and I find a big rub or a rub line or something, I'll throw a rub on there. But I try to keep it to where I at least know what I pinned. Um, and I, I always surprise myself for the most part of how well I remember if I just pin it, like what that was, yep. it, it take me a second, but I generally remember if I make it the icon that, you know, I saw like for a turkey, I'll put, you know, if I hear a turkey goblin, I may make a different pin for a turkey goblin versus a turkey that I see or a sign or whatever. But, mm. um, you know, I think for the most part, I do a pretty good job of that. What I don't always do a good job of is actually putting the pin down now. Oh, yeah. And okay. I, I think in the podcast that you're referring to, that was the thing that I always wish mentioned that I will always wish I would just do is like sometimes I because I remember so well when I do make the pin that I just think, Oh, I'll just remember right where that was. Like, I don't need to take the time to like be standing here in the woods. Like I'm scouting. I need to keep going. And I won't just take that pin and just put it on there while I'm actually standing there. Yep. That's when I really wish that I would do something more specific. And like, it, it's so weird too. Cause it's, so, it varies so much. Like there's, I, I was just, I mean, I was actually just, telling my girlfriend this and I don't know how much she was really interested, but believe <laughs> for me, she'll at least listen. But I was like, the thing about some areas is it takes more time to learn it than others. For example, if I'm in broken habitat of like the Midwest, I don't, I feel like it's way easier to just go into places blind. You don't have to have a whole bunch of history. It's just like, there's pretty limited area where there's yep. deer going to be. Yep. And it's, you know, because of just having spent a bunch of time in those areas, it's like, you can kind of just pick that X, go right to it. And if it's, you know, if he's there, great. If not go to the next X where in a, in a, in the East, for example, like I've been hunting, um, you know, these Eastern States with the bigger, bigger timber, a lot more. It's not as easy because there's so many places that are so similar that deer are using and there's generally lower deer densities within those areas. So it's like, he could be here, but he might also be three miles over here on a given day, given week, given, you know, different food source or whatever. So it's like, it takes a little bit more time in some spots to, to learn it. And that's why in those areas, I wish I would just make it a point to pin more stuff. That way, when it's three years down the road, I'm not thinking, man, I know there was a scrape somewhere right here that I know is probably an <laughs> annual scrape, right? Like yep. uh, uh, it, maybe it was in a big terrain feature, like a big saddle or something. And I was like, I know somewhere on one of these saddles, there was a big scrape, but I don't remember exactly which one or better yet. Um, a setup, you know, that's something that we haven't really talked about at all. It's like pinning setups is a huge deal because that really makes life way easier. So for example, let's say, let's say I'm in the big, the big woods and I come down into this like big hub where a lot of finger ridges kind of come down and all meet as one. And there's a bunch of Xing trails and there's a big scrape right in the middle of it. I'm like, okay, like this is a cruising buck spot for sure. At some point, given the right situation, I'll probably set up in this spot. One thing that I don't do very much is pin a very specific setup. Then when I go in, in the dark, I don't know exactly where I'm going. Yep. I think that's a really, really important thing to do. It's something I want to get better at. Is just like taking the time to pin. Okay. There's a big log jam right there that I can just jump into and set up. Or, you know, if you're, if you're a guy that likes to set up in trees, you pick a tree, pin it on the map. I think that stuff's super important, but I kind of let that go sometimes because I'm like, oh, I'll figure it out when I get there. And that's that's not always the case because sometimes you got calm conditions. You know, there's deer around you when you get in there in the dark and you don't want to, you know, be taking that extra 10 minutes after legal light to find the tree and then set up. You'd rather just go there in the dark. So, um, yeah, I think that's... I got long winded there. When no, don't I though? No, that's, that's great. Uh, you know, one more, one more point to that, that I haven't been really good at, uh, is so I, I've been trying to take a, a, a page out of you guys playbook. Um, 
you know, I, I committed last year. If I don't find fresh hot sign, I'm not setting up. Yeah. I would rather not set up today and walk back to my truck having never stopped than not sitting fresh sign. And first of all, holy cow, it was it was a banger season. Just, you know, because of that, at the same time, I found myself coming back home in the evening after a really great hunt and, you know, seeing something off in the distance, and I didn't mark the tree where I ended up stopping. You know, I didn't mark the tree that I ended up climbing, so I'm like, wait a second. I know those deer were kind of like to my 2 o'clock, uh, about 100 yards away, but which tree was I in? You know, exactly. Like, where where did I end up? So I didn't mark where I set up. So the next day going in, it was a lot tougher to adjust based on that information because I didn't, you know, I didn't know if I was here or in this tree 40 yards, you know, further back, uh, could, you know, until I got there the next day, it's like, okay, I think, okay. Yeah. I think I climbed this tree. I'm not real sure. I don't know. They all look the same kind of thing, but yeah. So, well, Zach, man, I, I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, I think most folks know where we can find you hunting public YouTube channel, uh, the hunting What are you excited about heading into, uh, heading into Turkey season? Just exploring new areas, man. That's, that's like the fun of, of all of it for me is I, I like not having history with a spot too much. Not to say that I won't go back to areas. I do enjoy that too, but I like going into areas and just kind of getting a new feel going in and seeing you know, honestly, man, I love just going to different parts of the country and just seeing people, <laughs> you know, like yeah. roll up to a, a yeah. town someplace I've never been and just like seeing how it's working. Like, I just really enjoy that. I think, I think, you know, America is such a cool place and like there's so many different like little cultures and all that. I just, I honestly just love traveling around and seeing different stuff and seeing the country and realizing that, uh, you know, there's just so many different things out there, so many different places, people. Um, yeah, I mean, all around, man. If I could just like, it's, I'd, I'd say I'd say that's just like my number one thing about all of it. And then I just love the challenge of trying something new. Yeah, I can't I can't uh, can't even begin to express how much I just love the challenge, physically, mentally, um, that hunting brings. And I'm always excited for the next trip, man. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find more outdoor-themed podcasts at sportsmansnation.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you download your podcasts.